What's your favourite type of pie? Apple? Pork? American? Something else altogether? Strawberry pie. If you work in international education, there's a chance your favourite pie isn't encrusted in pastry, but still fills you with delicious knowledge and insight. I'm talking, of course, about the pie, the hub of everything for professionals in international education. It's an independent media recruitment and events company for professionals everywhere working in international education and is one of the most influential voices in the sector. The Pi covers news, has a magazine, runs awards and generally does loads of great stuff. With all that in mind then, you can understand why I was so pleased to be able to get the Pi's head chef as a guest on this podcast. So my name is Amy Baker and I'm one of the three founders of The Pi, which is a media, recruitment and events company now, working in international education. Amy Baker is The Pi's CEO and co-founder and an international education expert with over 20 years experience in the industry. She's been passionate about international education since studying abroad for a year as part of her degree and is now a key voice on the international education scene. In this episode, Amy and I reflect on what's gone down on the international education scene this year, what we should be looking out for in 2020, and try to pick out what international students might want next year. It's an interesting consideration because one of the real reasons why people love to study and travel and use those air miles is because they want to they want to actually live in another country and actually you know experience what it's like to live in another culture and meet people from other countries. If it's just the qualification you want, then there are increasingly increasingly wide range of options of where you can stay at home and get that qualification so it's, it's always about more than just the qualification and I guess that's the thing that all institutions need to think about. From the Access platform, I'm Dave, she's Amy and this is Inspiration on Tap. this interview, I travelled to the Pi's headquarters on the ambitiously named Dragonfly Place in London. Their office is cute, it's got the quirky fun vibe and table tennis table of a startup mixed with the focus and energy of a bustling newsroom. I'm warmly welcomed by the Pi team, given tea and left to set up my recording equipment, only after being asked the most common question I'm asked whenever I meet fellow higher ed people. Dave, are you Banshee? No. I am not Dave Musson. After pointing them in the direction of the special episode of this very podcast featuring Banshee, it was then time to meet Amy and find out more about her story and that of the pie. So I studied journalism at university with a year in France. I basically only applied for degrees which had years abroad. Loved, I already sort of had just discovered I love travelling at that point. Ended up doing journalism with the in France and still didn't even then realise that international education was a huge industry. But was applying for journalism jobs when I graduated and ended up working for a magazine which wrote for education agents working in the language school sector. So for this sort of weird species of professional <laughs> that I'd never really come across who made a living by sending students to study abroad, English or French or German, etc. Um, yeah, that was my sort of beginning entry into the 
into a sector of this wider industry. I think it was going to attend the NAFSA conference one year, which really sort of blew my mind and made me realise what a big multifaceted sector it was um, serving, you know, language teaching, vocational, secondary schools, higher education. And it was probably around the same time that the idea of setting up the pie started fermenting. And um, I had a couple of children, which possibly helped maybe in the end because I decided I wanted to work um, very flexibly, which was, yeah, which was the reason I gave my job up and then set the pie up and then recruited a couple of lovely ladies I knew who were also in the industry um, and told them what I wanted to do and they were keen to come on board and we set it up together. When we launched, I mean, we were we very quickly um, gained traction as a media site and I guess that's probably what we are still best known for. I'm originally a journalist, so I'm you know proud of our media reputation, but we're a media website. Primarily, we were online news. We now have a quarterly magazine as well and a membership club called The Pie Insider. Beyond that, we have an executive search division, which has been running for eight years. So basically the entire time that The Pie News has been running and that's helping people find jobs in the sector, essentially headhunting for people for clients. And then we have a jobs board. And then three years ago, we also launched the Pioneer Awards, which is the event side of the business. So that's an annual award ceremony where we get many of our thousands of readers to enter essentially various award categories to showcase what they're doing in terms of innovation in the sector. And then we have an annual celebration of who is shortlisted and then we announce the winners once a year in London. And that's been really positive, successful and enjoyable event to be associated with. And we're looking at expanding out the event side of the business next year too. For our first slice of pie, I wanted Amy's take on the state of the international education scene right here and now as we wrap up 2019. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'll try and make it succinct. I mean, international education, as I think everybody knows, is still a growing sector. So the sort of indications are that the population of globally mobile students will continue to grow. Um, what we have seen in the last decade, I guess, um, is significant sophistication and fragmentation of that market. So a lot of countries which weren't previously taking international education maybe seriously as an export are putting sort of government funding into becoming perceived as an international education destination and all the sort of infrastructure around that that is required. So improving visa processing, looking at accommodation infrastructure, scholarships, and that has happened Um, Yeah, the big rise of China in the last decade has been very significant as a host destination. And then you're still looking at UK, US, so Canada and Australia, so France and Germany. So, yeah, there's the main difference, I suppose, has been China becoming so much stronger as a host destination. It is still also the biggest source country for international students but there's been lots of plays by many other countries who are doing really interesting things. The Czech Republic, the Netherlands, Sweden. I mean, there's so much going on at sort of a country level um, below those headlines. But the headlines are still that the UK and the US are the two main destinations. And that hasn't changed. Although, although Canada and Australia have been the big horses to back in the last decade. We've been really interested at all the funding which has been coming into our industry around tech platforms to enable student recruitment to happen in a more sophisticated manner, I guess, or in a more structured, joined-up manner. So 
I mean, 25, 30 years ago, international student recruitment was get on a plane, go to a student fair in Hong Kong and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, yeah, the technology, the digitization and the sophistication of student recruitment has been significant. And we have seen a lot of funding of new business models around how to better understand and segment I guess the the student audience and understand which student is right for you and how you actually capture them how you convert them how you make sure they don't drop out so yeah there's been a huge amount of sophistication around that process which we've been covering obviously in our content and um, yeah I mean just some of the size of the investments as well to help continue to sort of professionalize the student recruitment market or industry has has been interesting. Given that we were two Brits sat in London I had to ask Amy about how the UK's relationship with the international education scene has fared in 2019, especially in the ongoing unstable political background that has plagued these aisles since 2016. Thankfully, it turns out international education is still important here. Obviously, with the B word in the background, Mm -hmm. there's been lots of question marks around European student recruitment, and I think it's still very much a case of wait and see in terms of how much European student and staff mobility is impacted. But I think perhaps even for that reason, non-European student traffic has become almost more important. So I think there's a lot of people looking at diversifying even more away from China as the golden goose. Everyone everyone is trying to diversify away from China and also just to sort of hedge as much as you can. So I think non-EU student enrolment is being increasingly looked at. Ah, Brexit. There it is. We've done well to make it this far without mentioning the B word. While it is having an effect on the EU side of things, it's actually nowhere near as dominant a topic of conversation outside of Europe. My sense of it is not, actually. It's one of the things we've done at the PI is we've hosted international student roundtables where we brought, I don't know, 20 different nationalities together in a room to meet with and speak to international education professionals. And it's great for them to be able to ask super candid questions um, to students who aren't from their campus so they're not biased towards feeling like they have to say the right thing and... On one of those events, we were talking to a lot of students from Vietnam and on my table, and they all said, as long as the price of food doesn't change overnight, we don't we don't mind. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's so. I think it's very easy to get caught up in a Brexit obsession, maybe rightly so, I would say. But for countries in Asia, I don't think it is that important whether we and I don't think when they choose to study in the UK, it's because it's part of the European Union. Before wrapping up on the UK. With this podcast being released just a week before our latest general election, I had to ask Amy if there was anything international education professionals will be hoping for from a new government. Turns out, we've already got what was at the top of that list. Well, we had been keeping our fingers crossed for post-study work rights. That's Mm. happened. So that's been the big game changer for the UK. How that plays out in terms of when it is actually introduced. So it's been announced, it hasn't been introduced. So that's something to be looking out for. But that, it will happen. It will happen. So... I, well, I suppose there's a chance that a different party comes into power and rolls it back. So that's, a, I guess that's a big thing to be looking out for. But it sounds like it will happen. And I think that's a really, really good thing for the UK. All that felt like a pretty good summary of where the international education scene is at as 2019 is put to bed, so it was time to look ahead to next year. 
First off, I wanted to know what Amy and her colleagues at The Pie had on their watch list for 2020. Well, <laughs> it's another good, broad question. One of the things I'm personally interested in is the idea of sustainability within international education. So I was chairing a session at the AIC event in Perth a month or so ago on this topic. And I think at the end of the day, international education is something which necessitates air travel. As we all know, Gen Z care a lot about this sort of issue. They all want to be global citizens, but they all want to do it in a sort of sustainable vegan way if they can. And I think for actual for institutions and companies to look at what they can be doing to consider issues around being carbon neutral or being sustainable I think that will be increasingly part of the agenda and actually it's been great to see a network called Canny C-A-N-I-E it was only launched this year 2019 it's got quite some traction around different private companies and universities trying to engage with them to find out how they can continue that conversation and on top of that transnational tech and I mean recruitment trends in general yeah issues around migration legal and illegal i mean credentials something else i think we are going to be writing more about fraud next year so i think that's still possibly an underwritten about or under covered aspect of the industry in terms of how much bogus activity there is we're all professionals we're all pro sector and we like to talk about the upsides of the sector of course but there there are some undersides or underbellies <laughs> and oh, there's, that, there's money to be made isn't there yeah so. and i think Maybe we should be talking a bit more about that. So that's something we're going to be looking at as well next year in terms of one of the topics is looking at security in credentials and what you can do to try and eliminate fraud. Actually, we were just discussing this morning, there's a story around some Vietnamese, um, there's a big story in the UK, national press around Vietnamese migrants who were found dead in the back of a truck. But actually, that's led to another story around a couple of, well, some Vietnamese students coming in as as underage students as coming in to study at secondary school level and then disappearing. So the sort of, yeah, the dark side of the sector, we have to try and be aware. I mean, everyone needs to be aware of what the risks are and how how to be compliant and risk averse <laughs> while still growing the sector. I mean, the great thing about this industry is everyone normally has experienced it somehow to work in it and everyone knows, you know, the great value of becoming globally engaged. I also wanted some tips on which countries might be ones to watch next year. As it happens, I could have probably already guessed the names at the top of the list. Probably China. (laughs) But I mean, it's not that we haven't been keeping an eye on China, but we're going to be trying to engage more actually as a company in in China. India is very, very interesting. I mean, just demographically, it's just very interesting. And in terms of there's so many tech entrepreneurs coming out of India working in the industry. So India is really interesting. Africa, a lot of people are pointing at Africa some countries within there, such as Nigeria, again, in terms of population and demographics, it's an exciting young country. But we generally try and keep a broad eye on what's happening around the world. So no other countries bring to mind. We'll be trying to keep up, you know, we went to an event in Colombia this year, and that was really interesting to learn more about what's happening within Latin America. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening within Asia as well in terms of mobility but yeah we would continue to try and do as much as we can in terms of covering the world we'll be back for another piece of pie right after this we've all got questions right so many questions 
Now, think about what questions a prospective student will have when deciding where to study for their degree. Chances are a bunch of questions will come up again and again, so much that you could call them frequently asked questions. Wouldn't it be great if you could give really authentic answers to those questions by posing them to your current students? Well, with the Access Platform's FAQ feature, you can do exactly that. To demonstrate this in audio format, I hassled my colleagues at TAPHQ with my own FAQ. What do you like most about working for the Access Platform? Um. 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 Our lovely customers. Oh, the excitement. How much I learn on a daily basis through both our customers and our lovely team. Uh, the people. Uh, the challenge, day to day challenge of it. Get authentic, student-authored answers to your FAQs while also facilitating peer-to-peer -peer chats and curating and publishing user-generated content in a few clicks with the Access Platform, the premier peer recruitment platform for higher education. We're already working with universities in the UK, Australia, the US, New Zealand and beyond and we'd love to work with you too. Book a demo now at theaccessplatform.com. it and do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
circle. That brought me nicely onto the question I've asked every guest on the podcast this season. Some thoughts on the idea of peer recruitment, that concept of working with your current students to help you recruit new ones. I asked Amy what she thought of it as a strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a great idea. When I mean, I when I did my year abroad a million years ago, I didn't have anyone. I didn't have anyone to ask, and I literally just showed up in Bordeaux, not really knowing what was going to happen. Um, and yes, we all know that you know the sort of the young generation will look at Instagram or various Snapchat, various social media platforms to get a try sense of a country and a city and an institution as well. So, I think if you can, if there's a platform which enables you to then chat via social media platform with students about their experience definitely I mean I definitely think and I'm sure you'll tell me that it has worked well in terms of conversion I think that's the thing there's so much there's a lot of energy and and as I mentioned earlier a lot of energy but also a lot of investment into fine-tuning that conversion process and I think that's what's interesting in terms of using technology better because students will search quite widely and they'll apply often to different institutions in different countries so they don't they haven't they don't really decide finally until you know quite a late stage where they might where they might want to go and there's been a lot of um yeah a lot of effort and energy into really helping institutions understand that process so what touch points have I had with the student to make me sure that they are actually going to enroll here and there are many companies you know some companies just specializing in conversion so once they've applied what can you do there as an institution like how many will you how many times will you call them before you know they're definitely going to come and really also really interesting I mean I guess when you apply if only one institution then calls you up to say thanks for applying you know what can we do to help you somebody will be there at the airport you know that sort of thing then that makes you feel a bit more inclined I think it's I think it's really interesting so we're, we're writing quite a lot around that and we've done quite a few stories around yeah the digital tech and how that's changed a lot it's very competitive I mean we get a press release once a week about the new search engine which is going to become the game changer for next year yeah the Amazon for education yeah I mean there's a lot of people out there who want to be that maybe they will hasn't quite happened yet anyway Sometimes doing interviews, a question you hadn't initially thought of just pops into your head in the middle of the chat and you have to ask it. That exact thing happened with Amy. I realised that I hadn't really given a chance to elaborate on some of the winners from the Pioneer Awards from earlier this year. So I offered the floor to Amy to give some shout outs to her favourites. It's interesting that you're asking me this because one of the things I really liked this year, but it's certainly not the best example, but it's a great example, was... um. One of the Australian universities, Griffith, I think, which won for their student support, they gave all international students free swimming lessons because they didn't want them to get, you know, into trouble when they were on Australian beaches. And I remember thinking, as one little idea, that's a great example of student support. I think student support has been one of the areas which has, which some, on a country level, some countries have been slow to really pay attention to. In Australia, I know it's a very important industry, bigger than tourism, but in Australia we see so many examples of really well thought out joined up student support strategies which really think about what it might be like once you've landed and you've applied and you're trying to make a new network of friends and maybe get a job and maybe go to the beach you know what and maybe use public transport you know what that is like and I think certainly some really exciting student support initiatives and also around language acquisition so we all know there's a big push get your IELTS get in Um, another university in Australia was or maybe that was the Griffith one, I'm confusing it with another, was committed to making sure students graduate with a higher level of English than when they enter. Now, that seems very simple, doesn't it? It seems like a simple expectation, but how many universities have actually embedded that as a policy to make sure that happens? I don't think many. 
that, then it was time to start pulling this thing together and start doing some future gazing on the international education scene in 2020. First, I wanted to know what Amy was most excited about next year. Oh, that's a good question. I hadn't read them all. <laughs> well, what am I most excited about? I mean, for the pie, we have lots of exciting plans. So that's good. We're doing more video content, which is very exciting. For the industry, I think it's a hard question to answer. I mean, for the industry, I think it's just as a media company commenting what's happening, it's exciting that everyone's taking international education. Everyone's trying to be more dynamic, more motivated, more clever around the way they work, ultimately to deliver a better, a better education and a better outcome for the students. So there's, a, there's just so much exciting. And it's a growing industry. I mean, there's still that sense of you go to events and you, there's still that sense of, you know, what can we do now? What can we do differently? But yeah, I mean, the industry is in a, in a growth period, diversification, but yet, and, and also growth period. And that's an exciting place to be. Next, the big question. What was Amy's prediction for 2020? I think there'll be more examples of partnership between institutions and private companies helping universities be more nimble, more agile in a particular area of the process whether that's the way they teach or whether that's the way they recruit or whether that's the way they support I think there'll be a bit more there'll be more examples of partnership in that space I mean the conversation around transnational is very interesting I think there's a lot to be written about about universities delivering in, a, in another country we did a really interesting article around medical training and education and the fact that you can become you can go to Grenada Grenada in the Caribbean and end up with a medical degree which gives you the right to practice in the US. You can do the same in Georgia and Croatia. So I guess the idea of being truly globally mobile, so you can be you can be from, let's say, Kenya, but then you could study in Singapore for a degree which is given to you by an Irish or a British institution. That, I mean, I think we'll just see a lot of innovation around that. I think the idea that you have to go and study in the UK or the US is is already can be completely sh- you know shattered by lots of interesting ideas around where you have to be and whether you can deliver learn that online. I mean, there's a huge amount of investments we haven't spoke about that, but a huge amount of investment in to OPM models and learning online, micro learning. I mean, I mean, education is being seriously disrupted, and um, yeah, I mean, the idea that you would even do your entire degree in one overseas country is also being challenged. Whether you do rotation, one campus, one term here in this campus, one term there. There's just a huge amount of innovation. I mean, everyone is still waiting to see, you know, how it, how it plays out in terms of online learning. It's an interesting consideration because one of the real reasons why people love to study and travel and use those air miles mm-hmm. is because they want, to, they want to actually live in another country and actually, you know, experience what it's like to live in another culture and meet people from other countries. If it's just the qualification you want, then there are increasingly increasingly wide range of options of where you can stay at home and get that qualification. So it's, it's always about more than just the qualification. And I guess that's the thing that all institutions need to think about. And finally, as we're almost at the time of year where they're made, I wanted Amy's suggestions for what professionals in international education should have as their New Year's resolution for 2020. Aside from reading the pie, of course. I would say to go and talk to the international students on your campus, because I think... there's a lot of obviously great content out there more broadly tracking industry trends but when we have run those international student roundtables we found that often people are really surprised by what they hear from students who are possibly studying on their own campuses 
I mean, another example, we had a student who was who went to study in a university in Wales and was really surprised to find when she arrived that people spoke Welsh in Wales. <laughs> and no one had thought to tell her. You know, I, I think it's just always good to try and put yourself in the shoes of international students and, and live their journey. And when you work in the industry and you've done it for 10, 15 years, it's easy to forget. Okay, well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Um, best of luck for 2020. And yeah, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much. Amy Baker is the CEO and co-founder of The Pie. She loves practicing her rusty French and is at Amy Baker The Pie on Twitter. You can find out more about The Pie at thepienews.com. bidding farewell to Amy and her colleagues and leaving Dragonfly Place behind me, I'd certainly enjoyed my serving of the pie. Regardless of the chaos that seems to be dominating everything else in the world right now, the international education scene remains exciting, alluring, and full of innovative people doing amazing things to help students get the education and cultural experiences they really want. It's also a scene that is growing, it's thriving in fact, and it'll be fascinating to see what happens as we move into 2020. When it comes to staying on top of what's going on in the international education world, you'd struggle to do better than heading to the pie. Every slice they serve is packed full of insight and interesting morsels of goodness, and the team behind it really are passionate about international education and championing good practice. And their content doesn't have any calories either. Perfect! I hope you enjoyed this piece of pie, and if it's given you a taste for more, well, you know where to go. I wanted to end this episode with some clever link that would allow me to play my favourite ever pie-related clip from pop culture, and honestly, I've struggled. It's a clip from Shaun of the Dead, in case you're wondering. I guess the closest I can come is to point out what a family-like feel the international education scene has, rather like higher education in general. We might be competing in many ways, but we're all driven by the same outcomes and the same passion. We're all part of the big pie. So remember, as Mr. Sloman always says, there's no I in team, but there is an I in pie. In There's an I in meat pie. So the anagram of meat is team. I don't know what he's talking about. Look, that's it. Nailed it. Sort of. She was Amy. I've been Dave. And that was Inspiration on Tap. You've been listening to Inspiration on Tap, a podcast brought to you by The Access Platform. The Access Platform is a peer recruitment tool that enables universities to connect their student ambassadors with prospective students wherever they are in the world. Find out more about us and book a demo at theaccessplatform.com. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dave Musson, and my guest was Amy Baker, CEO and co-founder of The Pie. Find Amy on Twitter, where she's at AmyBakerThePie, and read The Pie at thepienews.com. Our theme tune and ad music were written for us by Laptop Philharmonic. Find more of his music on Spotify or at laptopphilharmonic.bandcamp.com. Other music was by Blue Dot Sessions and is used under Creative Commons. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a thing from us in the future and so you can easily and quickly jump into Season 1 if you haven't already. You'll find episodes on Reddit, Absolute Units and even a chat with the elusive University of Bantshire. Also, if you did enjoy this episode and are able to leave us a rating or review, that would be most appreciated. Or just tell a friend about our show, because every little helps. Take care. Catch you next time. <laughs>